Amen. It is a joy to uh, hear your voices and singing. Um, it's a highlight of my week. And I want to invite you to turn with me um, in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. As you know, over the last few weeks, we are working our way through um, the 10 words from the book of Exodus, often called the 10 commandments, um, words, commandments. Um, it's okay to call them either. I will use them interchangeably. We have made our way through these because I've come about them from a pastoral burden that I've mentioned to you that I'm burdened personally, not only personally, but pastorally for all of us, that it seems to be the case that we don't always understand obedience. I think for some reason, maybe we're trained somehow to think of obedience to God as being something we reluctantly pursue because we think it's right versus the greatest joy that we can possibly know. I gave you guys the picture a few weeks ago of my daughter, Millie, when she had her fingers full of sticky stuff from a, a, a treat, a snack, and I told her we should wipe your hands off, and she said, no, Daddy, and she wanted to lick every little sweet piece. That's ex very close to the picture Psalm 19 gives us of God's word. It is worth soaking in every little bit of sweetness. So my heart for us as a church family is that obedience would be something we understand as the path to life. So we're looking at these 10 words. Um, um, our sermon text tonight will be from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Your worship guide has a slight misprint, and that's my fault there. So just know it is verses 8 through 11. I'll be reading the fuller context. And then as is our custom, I'll pair this reading with a reading from the New Testament. In this case, it'll be from the book of Hebrews. So would you listen carefully and closely to this God's word to us and for us tonight? Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is that in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And then verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then from the book of Hebrews. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
Forever has entered God's rest, has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, in this moment we ask by the power of your spirit that you would do the thing that only you can do. Would you, by the power of your spirit, illuminate these words that are in your word? Lord, I pray that you would shine light on them so that we can behold wondrous things. Lord, we also ask that you would shine light on our hearts, the dark and weary places in particular. Lord, you use these words to give us great hope in our Lord Jesus, we pray tonight. And it's in the name of our Lord, we pray. Amen. So my children, when they were young, and I guess they kind of still are, um, but they, they loved finding these little um, connect the dot sketches. So they liked finding a little workbook and they liked finding a sketch of some animal or some object and then having a dotted pattern, one to three, one to two to three to four to five to six, and to be able to then take little lines and connect the dots, one to two and two to three and three to four to make a shape. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? So that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm gonna give you a sketch of this incredibly important biblical idea called the Sabbath. And I'm gonna do my very best to connect at least some of the dots, one to two to two to three to three to four to four to five until we can see at least something of what the Sabbath is and what it means for our lives. Now, before I begin to connect these pieces together, because the Sabbath is such a rich and important idea in the scriptures, before I begin to connect the dots and explain something of the Sabbath, I want to make some preliminary comments. First of all, it's interesting, as I read it, you might have picked up on it, but it's the longest word, it's the longest command in the Ten Commandments. Okay, there's more words that are spent there. In other words, scholars recognize that in many ways it forms something of the center of this moral instruction. Here's another important note. I wonder if you've ever noticed before, but most of the 10 words are words of negation. Do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. But in this case, with the Sabbath command, as well as the next command to honor our father and mother, they're positives. So rather than don't do this, it's a positive call to do something else instead. In other words, we've talked throughout these weeks that all of these commands are invitations. And in this case, it just rings particularly powerful 
that it's an invitation to do something. Another preliminary comment. I think sometimes, at least for me, I thought the Sabbath simply meant try to not go to your job one day of a week. Now, let me just say something quickly. What if your job is to come here like it is mine? In other words, I think what the scriptures are getting after is that the idea of Sabbath is not just do not go to your job for a day. It, it, it is that, but instead, God's word is trying to teach us something about a way of being human, a way of being alive, a posture of our whole existence that is a kind of Sabbath life. We'll talk more about that. And then last preliminary comment. Whenever I preach from scripture, especially these 10 words, I've been trying to stress to you that I will need to say some difficult things to you to challenge you, but I'm saying them to me, and that has perhaps never been more true than today. I'm preaching on Sabbath rest on the heels of maybe some of the busiest four or five days of my life that I can remember. So these words have been deeply challenging to me so I will invite you into that. But here's what we'll do together. I'm going to try to sketch some ideas about the Sabbath, one dot at a time. And then, after we get our, our hearts and our minds around this Sabbath word, I want to talk to you very directly about our Lord Jesus and how he fills the sketch full. So imagine the dot sketch. Millie recently did one of a cow. She made the dots that look like a cow and then she colored it in. We're gonna talk about Christ and how he fills full the teaching on the Sabbath. The main idea that I want you to hear tonight in these moments we have is that you and I are invited into a deep, deep rest in our Lord. Weary souls are invited to a very, very deep, true, real, lasting rest for your souls. So let's take a look, Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now in the scriptures, to remember something is not to recall it to mind as a bit of information that you've heard about at some point in your life. But to remember something in the biblical sense is to call it to mind, yes, but then to act upon the thing that has been called to mind. It's an active injunction to live, to embody a truth. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and is all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. 
The first dot that I want to connect for you is that this call to observe and to honor and to keep and to remember the Sabbath is a call to imitation, the call to imitate our Lord. Listen to the, the, the force and the emphasis, verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. As God's people, we are called to imitate our Lord and to be like him. And the fact that he did labor, he did work, and he rested. He ceased. He stopped. And see, remember, the calling of human persons is to show forth God's image in the world, to show the world something of what our Lord is like in a critical call of the Sabbath word is to be a people who imitate our God by doing the same thing that he did. That's dot number one. But let's, let's connect this a little further. If it's an invitation to imitation, it's also a call to satisfaction. Let me explain. When the Lord makes the world, the sea, all that is in them, when he makes the heavens and the earth and he rested, we have to remember that this is the Lord we're talking about. He did not rest because he was tired, but rather he rested because he was finished. It was complete. He was satisfied with his labor and he sat down to enjoy the world that he made and then to rule over it. When Mandy and I were um, completing our first son's nursery room that was going to be in this first apartment we lived in, I'll never forget the way that we spent all this time trying to plan the kind of color we wanted to paint the wall. We found these little family trinkets and heirlooms that would adorn a bookshelf. We found books, we put them in the bookshelf, we painted things, we found rugs. We did all sorts of things to be ready for the arrival of our son, Henry. And I'll never forget that when we did all that work, and it took several weeks to make it all happened, several hours to push it across the finish line. I remember when it was completed. I remember looking at Mandy and we looked at each other and we both just let out a deep breath. And then we sat down on the floor. And we just looked around. And we enjoyed. We were satisfied. And as human persons, we're called to feel the joy of the completion of a task. You and I were not made to work incessantly only to then just keep working harder and keep trying to go harder and further and faster. But we're made to rest in our labor and enjoy the things that God has called us to do. So if dot number one is this call to imitation and dot number two is this call to be satisfied and to enjoy our labor, dot number three, and this is a hard one, this is a challenging one, the Sabbath word is a commandment to trust. It's an invitation to trust. So imitation, 
to satisfaction, to trust. Verse nine, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And, and here's the question. Well, if, if we stop and do no work, then who's gonna get everything done? If we stop and do no work, then how are we not going to fall behind? If we stop and do no work, then who's going to pick up the slack to make sure that we're secure? If we stop, then who's gonna make sure we find our way into the right position so we can be ready for the challenge of tomorrow? See, the Sabbath is a invitation to trust that the answer to those questions, who will continue to rule over this universe if we take a moment to stop? The answer to the question is that the Lord will. He will keep his world turning. He will be the one to continue to provide the things that you need. He will be the one who provides safety and security for you. And see, the Sabbath word is an invitation to, to trust God that he will be the one to provide for us. You guys may have heard the statement, if you want something done, you have to do it yourself. See, being a Christian invites us to something really, really opposite of that. If you want something done, you're going to have to trust the Lord to do it. You're going to have to trust and depend upon others. See, as human persons, we're not meant to be so ruggedly independent, always fighting for our own selves. We're supposed to release our grip. We can trust that God will be the one to do the work. We can do things like this, imagine this. We can do nothing for a couple hours and everything will be totally fine. We cannot stare into our phones for a few hours and listen to me, everything will be totally fine. We can embrace moments of feeling bored and everything will be fine. See, sometimes I'll speak personally Sometimes I feel like I am, I'm busy and I'm, I'm doing all of these things so frantically and I'm doing this because I'm trying to create the right opportunities, say, for my children. Because don't they have, but the truth is, is often that's not loving my children. That's me being a slave to the things that supposedly make a good life in suburban Birmingham and it's often running me ragged. And what I have to trust is that the Lord will be the one at work. 
So if dot one is a, a call to imitation, dot two is a call to satisfaction, dot three is a call to trust, dot four, the Sabbath is given to us as a call, as an invitation to healing, to healing. And let me explain what I mean. Remember, these words are given to the people of Israel as they are being created as a people. And they have just come from slavery in Egypt. They've been led out of the house of Egypt. That's the way these 10 words begin. I, the Lord, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, in Egypt, the people of Israel, their identity was found in what they could produce for the taskmaster Pharaoh. Their worth was determined according to what they could produce. They were enslaved. And the call was for them to come out of Egypt and learn the freedom of being in relationship with God. There's even times that they will desire to go back to Egypt to slavery because at times they preferred the certainty of slavery over against the wildness of belonging to God and depending upon him for every step, every day. And see, the Sabbath gift, a day to stop our striving and ceasing, in a similar way heals our hearts. Because see, you and I, in the same way, we're trained, we're trained. It's like we breathe it in. We're trained to think that our worth lies in what we can produce. All week long, we are pressed into a certain kind of mold by the world, a certain kind of pressure. And see, you and I need to come away from that so our hearts can be retrained to remember our worth is found in the fact that we belong to God. Our worth is not in what we can produce. You guys know that last summer I had the opportunity to go on a sabbatical. So I had 12 weeks off where I got to, for 12 weeks, cease from my pastoral labor. And it was awesome. It was incredible. But it was also difficult. See, because if Joel Busby's not the pastor who helps everybody place their identity in Jesus, then where's my identity? (laughs) See, that's what's really interesting about being a pastor is like, I need you to place your trust and identity in our Lord so that I can feel good about myself. Or at least that's the temptation. But for 12 weeks, I had no sermons to prepare. I had no pastoral visits to make. I had lots of emails come in that I didn't even look at. They were like forwarded. I had no creative things to teach. I had no staff team to lead. And in those weeks, I was reminded that the Lord loves me 
that I'm a sheep in his pasture, that I belong to him, he made me, I'm his. And that I'm not going to improve upon that by being a certain kind of pastor, and I'm not gonna diminish it either, even my weaknesses and failures. And that was a difficult thing to experience, but I'm telling you, in so many ways, it brought healing to my heart. See, it's, it's like we have to, it's like we're supposed to, we need to, we need to face the question. We just need to face the question freshly. Every seven days, who are you? Where's your worth to be found? Who loves you? It's like every 168 hours, that's seven days, then all the hours. We need to face the question, who do you belong to? Who loves you? Where is your worth to be found? It's like every 10,080 minutes, we need to stop for a day and face the question, who do you belong to? Whose are you? Who loves you? Sabbath is a call to healing. So a call to imitation, a call to satisfaction, a call to trust, a call to healing. I've got two more before we talk about how Jesus fills these things full. Sabbath is a call to consecration, to take a block of time and set it aside as particularly devoted to God. It's, it's a holy day. So in other words, if, if we're not gonna work, if we're not gonna run around and stress out over all the things we're supposed to produce, if we're not gonna work, then what are we supposed to do? And what Christians have said for thousands of years is that what we're going to do is we're gonna dedicate a day where we gather with God's people to sing with them, to hear his word, to share in the bread and the wine at his table, and to have our hearts retrained, refreshed, restored, to have our covenant union that we enjoy with our Lord Jesus in some ways renewed and re-up afresh for a new week. It's interesting, as the Protestant reformers um, came up with these catechisms and questions about the Sabbath command, one of the first places they went, there's Martin Luther's shorter catechism. He, he writes, what does this word mean? In other words, this command of remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What does it mean? And Martin Luther, without batting an eye, says, it means that we're supposed to attend to God's word with his people in worship. I want to ask you a, a possibly difficult question. What do you think the most important thing in your life is? Because the answer to that question, and this is an astounding thing to say, but if you are a Christian, the center of your life is the time in which you gather with God's people to worship him, to hear his word, to celebrate at this table. It's, you, you can do without this about like you could do without breathing air. What's offered is true food and true drink. 
The Sabbath command is a command to take a day and set it aside where you will do just that, to gather with God's people in worship under his word at his table. Sometimes people will say things to me, and y'all, y'all hear me here, like, we don't, we don't take attendance at Grace Fellowship. I mean, we don't need a certain amount of people to be in the room for us to feel like we had a good Sunday. That's not how we judge faithfulness or fruitfulness or anything like that. But, but sometimes people will say something like this. It was just a busy, hard week, and I needed rest. I needed to have a Sabbath. So sorry I didn't make it to church on Sunday. I know what you mean, actually. That making a priority of gathering with God's people can be very difficult. But, but, but the Bible cannot imagine rest and renewal for your soul on a Sabbath that does not involve gathering with God's people to worship him. It's kind of like saying, I'm, I'm hungry, but I'm not going to eat. This is the way he restores and refreshes our hearts. A call to imitation, a call to satisfaction, a call to trust, and call to healing, a call to concentration. Finally, and interestingly, this call to remember the Sabbath is an invitation to justice and righteousness. Look, with me, look again with me at verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. You notice how the command is expansive. It's, it's not just you and your personal time of rest and renewal, but your personal time of rest and renewal is supposed to be rest and renewal for all of those underneath your care, all of those underneath one's authority. To put it this way, God's people were not to become new pharaohs who would drive people into the ground. God's people are not to be people who weary and add to life's hardships by working people to death, if you will. But instead, our call is to be a life-giving presence, to be a kind of refuge for those that we are responsible for. It's interesting that so much of the Sabbath teaching as it unfolds in the rest of the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, is a command and a call to be people of justice and mercy. As an example, every seventh year in the law was going to be a Sabbath year where debts would be forgiven. Every 50th year, so seven times seven, 49 plus one, was to be a year of jubilee where land would go back to its original owners, where things that had become disjointed and out of shape and and twisted by the world and by sin and the sinfulness of our hearts were supposed to be put back together rightly again. In other words, a call to Sabbath is a call to be people who see bent, crooked things 
and to be a people who straighten them. So imitation, satisfaction, trust, healing, consecration, justice. That's our sketch. And let me conclude our time tonight by talking to you about Christ and how he fills this sketch full. You heard me read it, and the scriptures teach that Jesus himself is our Sabbath rest. In our union with our Lord Jesus, in our union with him, we share in his very life. And in our union with him, we have the opportunity to enjoy a continual life of rest and Sabbath. But let me just briefly talk to you about the way in which Christ fulfills each of these pieces. For example, this call to imitate our Lord. Well, remember, it's our Lord Jesus who is revealed as the exact imprint of God's nature, whose union with his Father is the union we are invited into in him. Jesus moves around imitating, perfectly showing us what God looks like. And in our union with Jesus, we can become people who imitate him also. What about this, this call to satisfaction, to rest in the completion of a task? There's a time where Jesus is praying to his father in John 17, and he, he prays out loud. He says, Lord, Father, I, I have done all that you've given me to do. See, the scriptures teach this Jesus who perfectly fulfilled all righteousness. It's Jesus who on the cross says that it is finished. And it's the finished work of Jesus. It's the promise of his finished work that of course brings life to you and I's weary bones. What about this idea of trust? The idea that Sabbath is an invitation to trust. Have you ever thought about what the Lord Jesus is doing right now? See, the scriptures teach that our Lord Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. In other words, Jesus Christ at this very moment upholds the universe by the word of his power. He rules. See, it's in Jesus' rule, it's in his rule and reign that we can trust. He's the one who keeps you safe. He's the one who keeps you secure. We can trust that he will continue to do the good work in us that he's promised to do. What about this healing? What about healing? Remember, it's the Lord Jesus who says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who are weary, and I will give you rest. Have you ever thought about the fact that it is the Lord Jesus, he's the only one perhaps in all the universe before whom you have absolutely nothing to prove? He invites you to come, to rest in him, to be loved by him, even as you follow and yield and submit to his lordship. 
What about this consecration, this setting time aside? It's Jesus who's always, always faithfully setting time aside to be alone with his fathers. Jesus that's always found in the synagogue, reading the scriptures, worshiping. What about these calls to justice? Isn't it interesting that it's our Lord Jesus who's always healing and he's healing on the Sabbath? Because he's bringing these promises to their fulfillment. In other words, it's in Christ that this word of Sabbath, it's in Christ that this word of Sabbath becomes a thing that we can live. We can find deep, deep rest in our Lord Jesus. You guys have heard me say to before that I see in you sometimes because I see it in me, a kind of tired that a nap can't fix. There is a kind of tired that a nap cannot fix. But hear me and look me in the eyes. There is a kind of weariness that Christ can heal. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would make us a people who imitate you by keeping this word that you'd make us a people who can find joy and satisfaction in our labor, that you'd make us the kind of people that trust you with our lives, or that you would heal our hearts from the ways that they become mangled and deformed. Lord, we ask that you would make us a people in keeping this word, who set aside time to be with your people under your word and at your table that we'd make that the most important thing that happens in our life. Lord, that by keeping this word, you make us a people of justice and righteousness. And that in keeping this word by the power of your spirit, that you would give us, Lord Jesus, richer and deeper and fuller, a sense of our union with you. And I pray that that would restore and refresh weary souls. Where these things are easier to talk about from a pulpit than to live. So we ask that by the power of your spirit, you would go to work in us, we pray. Pray it in the name of Jesus.